You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new centerfire rifle ammunition terminal ascent. Now, the terminal ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The terminal ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet, and it comes in a variety of cartridges, including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06, and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com. And while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. This is the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, and this week is episode 34. Uh, today on the podcast, I am joined by Dustin Diefenderfer, and Dustin is the founder of 2% Certified Mountain Tough Fitness, um, and today we get into uh, a lot about health and wellness, uh, especially as it pertains to um, preparing for backcountry hunting. Uh, it was really cool to kind of hear how, uh, you know, uh, an idea or something as simple as fitness and being prepared for a backcountry hunt um, turned into what Dustin and his team have built over at Mountain Tough. Um, they take a really uh, unique approach um, to training their, their Mountain Toughers, their athletes. Um, and, and one of the ways that you'll hear Dustin describe it is if you look at a professional athlete um, and whether it's, a, you know, if you, if you look at a football player, for example, you know, specific positions are being trained um, very specifically for for their job um, as it pertains to you know an offense or a defense and they took that same approach and applied it to their athletes and to the world of backcountry hunting um, and have produced some amazing programs um, to really help prepare a hunter um, for you know potentially a once in a lifetime tag that they draw um, what started off as a <clears throat> a, a program to really kind of get you ready for the hunt uh, has turned into now there's a called a pre-hunt workout there's a an in-season workout plan and then there's a post-season workout plan to to keep you 
really uh, in the best possible shape um, throughout the course of the year and, and leading into your hunt. Uh, recently, they've also um, released a 30-30 workout, which is 30 workouts that you can do at home with no equipment, um, which, you know, given the, the course of the last year uh, is something that a lot of people were really uh, asking about and kind of yearning for. So they were able to to put something together. Um, and I'm actually uh, just getting ready to start that uh, this week. So <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous because uh, I know that these guys are some pretty uh, badass athletes, uh, and, and mountain tuffers that they're, that they're training over there. So, uh, a little nervous, but also really excited to, to give it a shot and see, um, you know, what, uh, what they've put together. Uh, another really cool thing about mountain tough and what Dustin, uh, and the team have over there is the focus that they put, uh, on the mental aspect, the mental toughness, um, in terms of backcountry hunts and Dustin, uh, gets into that and, He's got some uh, some guys on his team there that have a very extensive background uh, in training uh, in mental toughness that he'll talk about as well. So it was a really cool episode. Uh, I find this type of stuff super interesting. So, I mean, I probably could have talked to Dustin for a lot longer than what we did. But uh, I think it's a, a lot of really great information and hearing, uh, you know, the passion that Dustin has not only for, for fitness and hunting, but how obviously conservation plays a part in, in all of that as well. So really fun episode this week. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. On the line with me today, I have the founder of 2% Certified Mountain Tough Fitness, Dustin Diefenderfer. Dustin, how are you today, man? Good, man. I appreciate you uh, taking some time uh, to sit down on the podcast. I know we had talked earlier this summer and then uh, we both kind of had to reschedule and then obviously hunting season got in the way and then the holidays and stuff. So I'm glad we're finally able to make some time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's there's kind of a lot that I want to get into today. I just mentioned that before we started recording here. But uh, first, I kind of want to start and just kind of get an understanding or, or, or know about or get get to know a little bit more about your background as it uh, pertains to the outdoors. So like, what did the outdoors look like to you growing up or when were you kind of first introduced to, you know, hunting and everything like that? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a Montana kid. Uh, I was born in Wyoming, but we only lived there about six months before I moved to Montana. So I've been in Montana my entire life and my dad has seven brothers. And okay. so, I have a lot of uncles and so hunting and fishing were just things that we did since you know I was born so it was kind of wired right into our DNA um, my dad was a diehard still is diehard passionate fly fisherman okay and so most of my childhood I spent kind of palling around with him fly fishing just across the western United States and it was kind of through that experience that I fell in love with outdoors and he wasn't super fired up about hunting, but because he got me hooked on the outdoors through fishing, as I got older, I really wanted to get into hunting bad, like as I approached like 10, 11, 12 years old. And kind of because he was from that, that fly fishing background and he also grew up on a ranch and so for him, like rifle hunting deer wasn't that exciting because like on ranch life, just shooting a deer is kind of easy and it wasn't thrilling. Pretty and so commonplace. 
Yeah. So when we decided to kind of dive into hunting together as I was growing up, we kind of dove right into uh, bow hunting elk because he had some buddies that were doing it. He was really into uh, shooting archery, and so we kind of dove head into to bow hunting elk when we started. Yeah, and, you know, I, I noticed that for a lot of guys, and it's not, you know, like a one-for-one one by any means, but a lot of people who are passionate about fly fishing – they really love archery, you know, and that's not to say that they don't enjoy rifle hunting or anything like that. But I think it's there's something about the the technique, the difficulty, uh, especially when you think about like archery hunting, like the close quarter nature of it. Right. And, and, and needing to be, you know, something, you know, depending on the animal, you know, 50, 60 yards of, you know, all the way down to, you know, 10 yards, depending upon the animal or the, you know, the, the hunt that you're on. But it's uh, it's interesting that as as you grew up around fly fishing because my dad was the same way he was he was a big fly fisherman he's the one that got me into it um when i was young and you know we've been out west i mean i'm in the midwest here but we've been out west you know half dozen times uh when i was growing up doing some fly fishing and stuff like that so it's cool to see that uh that kind of translated or kind of opened the door to you know an outdoor lifestyle for you at such a young age yeah it's pretty cool i think there's just so much crossover in terms of like the technicality of it mm -hmm. and just uh just how difficult it is yeah <clears throat> now as far as your company uh mountain tough fitness why don't you tell us a little bit about that you bet uh so mountain tough fitness started in 2017 and we started based off the idea of training a backcountry hunter similar to how you would train an NFL athlete. So we got together and we looked around and we realized that there was no one that was treating a backcountry hunter with the specificity, like the specific nature of training like you would do in professional sports or like you would do in the military. And so we, we saw that kind of blue ocean in the marketplace in terms of if you look at like an NFL offensive lineman, that individual is going to be trained in a very specific manner for their job, very mission specific. And that training is going to be very different from how they're going to train the wide receiver. Right. And so when we looked around, we didn't see anyone that was breaking down the mountain hunter and training them for that specific mission. And so that was really kind of the launch pad to the ideas. Hey, that would be a really fun project. It'd be really fun to take a backcountry athlete's mission, um, especially, you know, mountain hunting, seven days solo, living out of your backpack, and then the skill set to get that animal out after the harvest was something that was really exciting to us. And it started, um, as this idea that was brewing and then Ara, who's uh, the Mountain Tough COO, he was an army ranger and then he taught at West Point. He finished up his career at the Pentagon and so he had this huge passion for the physical science like I had, but he also has a, a tremendous heart for the mental side. So he's like, he's like, look, look, that's cool. It's cool to train someone specifically for the backcountry, but if we can also train their mindset and train them between the ears to handle the adversity they're going to face in the backcountry, 
now you kind of have a complete package that can really transform someone's life. And so it started as this idea and we were like, Hey, let's, you know, let's test it out. Bozeman's the place to do it. Right. We have, we have a lot of diehard backcountry athletes here. So we started testing these programming concepts on local Bozeman backcountry hunters and then Alex came on board shortly after. Alex was a Navy SEAL. He spent nine years in the teams. And so he had the same mindset that Ara did that if we can teach these guys how to become more mentally tough with the physical science of mission-specific training, then we have something really special. And so we spent a long time just testing the first program we ever put out on the market. And um that was almost four years ago now so now we have about ten thousand athletes across the world that are training with us every day wow. they're training through uh 90 of them are training off their phones some people have the desktop uh version or the the ipad but basically we have specific programs for the backcountry athlete whether it's a home gear program or an in-gym program um, and it's all the physical, but it's also got a lot of mental components in it as well. Yeah. Now I feel like, and maybe this is, and I've said this on a lot of previous podcasts, but it feels like with, with this day and age and with social media that there's a lot more things, uh, as it pertains to hunting have kind of come to the forefront. Uh, I think it's probably the right way to put it. Like like fitness, for example, right? Like with, with everyone taking these backcountry hunts a lot more seriously in terms of their, their fitness level. Um, and I think that there's a lot of parallels between like what you had mentioned, right? And, and I think you kind of said it very well with like a, an athlete or, or something like that. But the, the part of your programs, and, and this is just, you know, looking through the website and stuff like that is, is the emphasis that you guys put on the mental the mental toughness on the mental side of things, because I think that's what, whether we're talking about, you know, professional athlete, uh, or, you know, a, a very serious backcountry, a successful backcountry hunter is, you know, the six inches between your ears, right? It's all so much of it is mental is how long you can stay out there, how much further you can go than the next guy to, to get into the next drainage or, you know, whatever the case is that really separates, you know, coming out, coming out heavy and coming out with an empty pack, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. So what is it that kind of, is it the, the partners that you guys have there that really kind of turned, like, what's the right way to put it, that, that wanted to put that emphasis on the mental side of things just based on their background? No, I think it was, um, I think it was like a team synergy around one foundation because we decided early on as a team that, that mental toughness was going to be the backbone of everything we did. And then we were going to add the physical on top of that. So I think from our and Alex's military perspective, it was everything. And then from my backcountry hunting perspective, it was everything. It was, I just knew that from growing up in Montana and watching the people that were successful consistently mm -hmm. versus the people that weren't weren't successful at all or were sporadically successful. I knew that like the consistently successful hunters 
that I watched throughout my lifetime were the ones that were extremely mentally strong. And so I just, so since that was my foundation and it was also theirs, that's kind of been our bread and butter since day one. Yeah. And it's, it, we, we, we touched on it a little bit before we recorded there, but I was saying, so I played a sport in college. I played football in college and like during the winters, we would have like your winter conditioning, your, 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 we used to call them winter workouts, right? And it was six to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday for, I don't know, probably three months before like we got into like spring practice and stuff like that. And I remember that our coach at the time was, was kind of old school and his whole like goal during these winter workouts was mental toughness. He's like, you know, I don't care if you're stronger, if you're faster, he's like, all that helps. He's like, but if you're not mentally tougher than your opponent, he's like, there's going to come a time when you need to call on that, you know, mental toughness or, you know, whenever, and you're going to be prepared for it. Right. And, and at the time I remember thinking like, oh, this is ridiculous. Right. Like we don't like mental toughness. Like we're all out there for the same thing. Like we know what it takes to, to win and, and stuff like that. If you get behind, but as I get older and as I, you know, an adult and into my adult life, it's amazing how much I look back on those experiences and think, you know, like I did that stuff, you know, like, you know, throwing up three, four times a week at six in the morning because you're running or lifting weight. I mean, we would carry hay bales, you know, around like an indoor track. I mean, we would just do the most outlandish things that didn't make us better football players by any stretch of the imaginations, except for mentally tough. So I, that, that's one thing that I, I mean, I, I just said it, but how much that, that I really, like about you know the, your company and you know the foundation of what you guys stand for it's cool i love i really love it and i love that for us you know a lot of our, our team meetings and brainstorming sessions we get super fired up because someone will come into mountain tough whether they they come in locally or they purchase an online program and they're purchasing that program or they're starting that training because they have some big trip planned. So they might be going to Alaska on a goat hunt and they don't want to fail. They don't want to um, struggle. They don't, there, you know, there's a lot of fear around the altitude. Sure. And so, so that part's really cool. But I think our favorite part is it's, it's almost like, it's almost like a trick. We get so excited because that mental toughness they're going to gain and that lifestyle change it's so much bigger than hunting. So they're going to have life skills. They're going to be a better father. They're going to be a better friend. They're going to be a better husband. And they'll probably be a much better boss or employee. So it's kind of cool that it, you know, hunting is just one tiny event that led them to start that process. But the, the big picture is so much bigger than that. Yeah, that, that's a that's a very very good way to look at it because at any point in your life you can when when you come up you know against like a hurdle or, or something whether it's professionally personally you know in the outdoor space whatever the case is you can kind of look back on that experience at least in my case and then you know in your athlete's case you know what they're going through in their training and say you know this is nothing like I got this I've I've done worse I've I've been in in worse situations that I've had to overcome, even if it was only for, you know, one workout or, you know, uh, a week's worth of workouts or whatever the case is, right. They can look back on that experience 
dig down deep and figure out what it was that helped them get them through that particular time and apply that in whatever the situation that they're in. So that's it. it, it the looking at it as more of like a, a life skill, let's call it, you know, being mentally tough, I think is a, is a very good way to put it. Yeah, it's cool. And it's kind of how mental toughness works is exactly how you just mentioned it is most people, they'll feel a level of pain and it'll really freak them out. They're like, Oh, I've never had my heart rate this high. I want to throw up. Um, but then they'll get through that experience five minutes after that experience, they feel fine. And then when they feel that again, the second time, it's like no big deal. They're like, I've been here before. I know I'm going to recover fast. I know in five minutes after I rest, I'm going to feel fine. And so it's kind of this cumulative effect of life experiences. And I think, the more of those experiences we have, the the more successful we are in these really chaotic life situations, whether it's a, a disaster on that Alaska hunt or maybe it's a car wreck in town on your way to work. Right. If we have a lot of those experiences built up where we pushed ourselves, then we're able to handle them a lot better. Yeah, and it's it's funny, like when you're talking about like all of these kind of life experiences accumulating and kind of building that mental toughness over time. It, it just reminds me of a lot of like different things I've seen or listened to on podcasts with former military guys talking about that. And then obviously with, um, you know, the guys that you have on staff there that are, you know, have, have trained from a military perspective at the highest levels. Uh, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. And I can see the correlation between the two. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So now, now speaking of, of some of the guys you have on staff there, I mean, you, you kind of touched on um, some of their uh, military backgrounds, but, you know, when, when I was looking at the website earlier, you know, one was a former Army Ranger, one was a former Navy SEAL. I mean, in, in terms of experience, I mean, that's some, some pretty heavy hitters. Um, how was it that you guys all kind of came together? Or did you know each other prior to uh, starting the company or how did that all work? Yeah, it's pretty funny because our... I feel so fortunate for our team. I mean, our our team is so cool, and it's just kind of a miracle how it all came together because, you know, Alex was a Navy SEAL and Ara was a Ranger, and then he also taught Rangers for 21 years. And then the fourth uh, training staff member we have is Jimmy, who we call him the legend because Jimmy was – he's been – personally training athletes in Bozeman for 14 years and he was kind of like if you were in Bozeman he was the guy you would go see if you were getting ready for like Everest or something like that and how we all came together was we actually all met in the gym and so um, I would go into the gym I'd bump into Ara I knew Jimmy and we started kind of talking about this idea around you know, what if we took this mountain training to a whole new level and everyone was just on board from day one and just came together really quickly. Yeah. Now, from a, a fitness or a exercising workout background, what is what does that look like for you? I mean, were you, you know, training guys prior to um, starting Mountain Tough or, or how did that work? My background is kind of unique in terms of uh, how this all started. So I was extremely into bow hunting elk. And so as I went through college and shortly after college, 
I would travel to all the different Western states with my buddies and we would basically bow hunt elk um, from September to October 15th in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, New Mexico, Nevada. We try to, you know, hit as many states as we could. And this was before I, I was married and before Four kids. I had, yeah. yeah. And so we were just into it and I was always really fascinated about how we were performing and, and the things that affected that, whether it was how we were training or what we ate. And then after I got married, I um, got really into running. So my wife was the passionate runner. She's the, the, one of the individuals that just gets like the joy out of running, loves running. <laughs> and so uh, early on in our marriage, we started doing a ton of marathons. Um, so one year we had this idea we were going to run a marathon a month. So we did a marathon for the year. And then that kind of translated into ultra running. And so we started dabbling in like the 50Ks throughout the Western United States in the mountains. And that's where I really fell in love with this mental toughness concept. So she was the one who loved running. I did not like running that much <laughs> at all. But I loved this like mind game of an ultra marathon in the mountains because it's such a mind game of everything's telling you to quit, everything's telling you it's too far, your body wants to stop, but you have to convince your mind to keep going. So that's where I really early on fell in love with the kind of the study of mindset. But it's also what was the origin of Mountain Tough because what happened is it's kind of interesting, but through too much running, I thought it was affecting my backcountry hunting negatively. And that's where we really started talking about, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And what was happening is because we were running so much, we weren't doing any strength training. I felt like I was almost too lean and not enough strength for like the heavy packs, packing out a bull. And so that's where we really dreamt up the idea of what if we combined like the endurance aspect of an ultra runner with the strength training of like an army ranger. That's probably the, the sweet spot where a backcountry hunter needs to live. And that's that was the early on concept of Mountain Tough is kind of finding that balance. Okay. So now take me through well, I guess first let me let me ask what like what all programs do you guys um, offer for your athletes? So right now we cover the entire year and we started with preseason prep only. So we started with this idea that if you're going to Alaska on October 1st, we want to train you for four months before you leave for that trip. And that was our launch to the market. We're like, if you give us four months, we will we'll get an athlete ready to be very successful and feel good on that trip. And then kind of like you mentioned, we realized in year two of Mount Tough, like football, that there's a much better way to do things for an athlete to be highly successful. They need to do specific things in the off season and specific things in the preseason. Um, so now we cover a backcountry hunter for 12 months. So we have preseason prep, and then when they finish preseason, now a lot of Western hunters are going to hunt 
September, October, November. So now we have in-season training where you still want to keep that athlete really healthy, but you don't want them sore all the time for the hunt. So that's kind of in-season. And then we also have post-season training where a lot of backcountry hunters in the West, they come out of season really skinny and really beat up. And so now's our time to kind of restore that athlete, pack a bunch of strength on them. And then we have spring training. So spring training is to take, because a lot of times if you do too much post-season training, you'll get bulky and slow. And so now spring training, we need to get that athlete ready for the mountains again. So for our in-gym training, we have the 12 months of daily training, five days a week. And then we also, we have a lot of stuff adapted now around the no gear. So we have programs that people can do in their house, in hotel rooms, in living rooms, um, for athletes that are traveling, or there's just a lot of athletes now that just can't make it to the gym or don't have a gym. Yeah. And so the, the no gear is something I want to come back to. But now, as far as like putting these programs together, you know, what, what does that process look like? I mean, how long does it take from the time that you and your team sit down and you put a plan together to, you know, when you launch it to the rest of your athletes? I mean, I'm sure you have, you know, a core group of, of athletes there that you're kind of testing all of these programs out on. So, so what does that process look like in between? It takes a long time. So one example is like we've been working on a uh, a wildland firefighter program now for three seasons okay. and it it still hasn't hit the market yet and a lot of that is uh, built for smoke jumpers and hot shots and kind of the way we create every single program we make is we call the Bozeman location the lab and so we won't release anything to the market that hasn't been tested on real people and so we conceptualize the program based on our previous experiences and then we bring in specific athletes to test it and then we see how they're feeling we see what progress they're making and then we kick them out into the hills see how they're feeling in the mountains and then we tweak it uh, rebuild it and then send them back out in the hills so like preseason prep took two years um, like this wildland firefighting program is probably going to take four because we had to wait for those guys to go out on fire season, see how they felt, see how we can make it better. So it's a lot of conceptualizing, testing, and then redesigning. It takes some time. Yeah, and I'd imagine, especially for something like smoke jumpers, hot shots, you're, you know, while they may live at altitude and are used to that, when you throw in, you know, the smoke from from wildfires and things like that, that's a whole other element that I, I'd imagine has got to be tough to account for and probably why you know it's going to take you know like you said probably four seasons of of really fine tuning before it's ready for for the masses yeah yeah and it's been really interesting because we uh, you know early on we thought this is a good example of of the testing early on we thought that like a hot shot would be very very similar to a backcountry hunter because they're hiking in the same terrain for multiple days with a weighted pack right um very similar to what a hunter needs to do but what we realized right away is a hot shot needs an incredible amount of upper body endurance that a hunter doesn't necessarily need because a hot shot is usually running a chainsaw all day or they're using a pulaski and digging line all day right and a hot shot also never 
gets the recovery that a hunter gets. So a lot of these hot shots will be out for 21 days in a row, which is uncommon in backcountry hunting. So it's pretty, it's cool when you look at it very mission specific, how there could be some really unique training for very similar people. Yeah, and, and like a, a wildland firefighter, I mean, they're working against the clock too, right? I mean, they're out there with a, like you said, a very mission specific, a very, you know, definitive task in front of them. While, you know, a, a backcountry hunter has the same thing, but, you know, you can hike for a couple hours and if you get tired, you can just, you know, you can sit in glass, right? Catch your breath, you know, have a snack, whatever it is. And I'd imagine as a, you know, as a firefighter out there that, you know, you, you take breaks when, when the, the situation allows, not necessarily when, when you get tired, you know? Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that, that intrigues me quite a bit, and you, we just talked about it, is the, um, the, uh, the no um no equipment the i think it's called the 3030 workout that you guys have yeah so now is that a program that like so let's say you have someone in and obviously I, I feel like this is a good time for us to talk to with with the new years and you know new year's resolutions and whether you're a backcountry hunter or not you know just it always seems like a vast majority of people want to get back in shape in the new year yeah. right you know they they kind of splurge through the holidays and everything so is this, are your programs something that you can take someone who doesn't have, let's say, a very good base level for their fitness and can kind of jump right into? Or, you know, is this something that, you know, you would advise like an athlete who, who's thinking about joining Mountain Tough to say, hey, you know, maybe spend a couple months, just get your fitness level, you know, up from wherever it is now and then jump into one of these more specific programs? So we the way that we built them is to handle most fitness levels and so we have that ramp up phase that you just mentioned is built inside of each program so there'll be a ramp up phase for like preseason, postseason, in season and spring so that that way if someone's never done one of our programs before we can take them through a path to get them ready inside of our own program and then also each day so every daily video you watch before you start your workout you have the option to complete that workout at a beginner intermediate or elite fitness level so we have a lot of people that come in at the beginner level and then about month two you'll see them move up to that intermediate level and then we have a ton of athletes now that they'll come back through the programming in year two at that elite level when they might have went through it at the beginner level the first time. Okay. So we're able to to cover a lot of athletes that way. Yeah, and, and I would imagine because I know, and, and I'm kind of speaking for probably a lot of people here, is that sometimes when, when you look at like a fitness program or, or joining something like Mountain Tough, like it, it can be a little intimidating, a little daunting because – you know, you don't necessarily know what's in the program, right? You, you have an idea of what your fitness is, but you're like, man, am I going to bite off more than I can chew here? So the fact that you have, you know, varying levels of difficulty in the same workout, um, I would think would give a lot of people peace of mind, um, or at least a little bit of comfort knowing that they're not just going to get kind of thrown to the wolves, thrown to the, uh, you know, the expert level or the uh, elite level, as you mentioned. Yeah, it helps a lot. And it helps, it really helps prevent injury too. So someone 
can come into the programming and ramp up in a nice progression and not get too banged up. And so that keeps people super healthy and prevents a lot of injuries. Yeah. And that's especially, you know, I think about as I get further along in my life, I know that like kind of going back to, to when I was in college and working out and stuff is, you know, at that point it was, it was almost like, it was almost like a job, right? I mean, you know, especially like during the winter, you're doing it five days a week and you have spring season and then you get into summer workouts, which is, you know, five days a week. And then you get into, you know, uh, camp in the fall or the summer and then you get into the season. So you're working out all year round. Right. And it never feels like there's really a break. So like I think about, you know, my kind of my journey and like post-college, like I didn't want to see a weight room. Like I couldn't even watch football for like a year after I got done playing because I was just I was so like I didn't want to see it at all. I was just like over it and I was done with it. So like as yeah. I get into the, you know, into my adult life and, and everything like that, like what I like about fitness programs just kind of in general is they don't have to think about it, right? Like you can open the app, like you said, uh, or, you know, the iPad, the desktop, where, whatever you're using, and it just tells you what to do. You can kind of shut your brain off, follow instructions for 45 minutes, an hour, whatever the case is, and then you can be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that part as well, and I love the community aspect too inside of the programming because you know that all these other athletes, all these other mountain tuffers are right there with you. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just going to say that I think especially as you get older, like the accountability aspect like you just talked about, um, the community is is so key because it, it almost goes back to like that mental toughness thing like you know that if you're not doing it, you know, there's other athletes, there's other mountain toughers out there who are doing it and you, you almost feel like you're going to let them down if, if you skip a workout or you don't kind of, yeah. you know, bust your ass on that workout. You, you kind of skate through it or whatever the case is. So, yeah, I really like that that community, that accountability aspect of it. Yeah, it's huge. And that's when we first started, we started training all these athletes in the Bozeman lab and it was such a special, special environment. And when we decided to put it out online, we did not want to lose that community feel. Because right. right. like showing up and seeing all your buddies is a huge part of it. And then your buddies knowing that you did the workout is a huge part of it. And then comparing scores sometimes is a huge part of taking someone to a new level and getting them to work out in a team takes a lot of people to a new level. So when we went online, we didn't want to lose that. So when we built the online platform, we built the entire thing around community so that everyone could talk to each other, support each other, encourage each other, see each other. Um, So that's been a huge, huge kind of backbone of that online presence. Yeah, and I I think that's, that's that's great for anyone especially that that may be kind of like even if let's say they're using mountain tough just to get back in shape maybe they don't plan on going on a western hunt but they like you know what mountain tough stands for you know that they offer you know no um like no equipment type workouts or at you know in gym at home you know home gym type workouts like there's there's really there's something for for everyone regardless of you know what kind of uh, equipment they have access to um, and that's, that's something that's, that's really cool. And, and, you know, when I think about, you know, working, when I work out and I work out at home here and I have a very, you know, limited array of, uh, like fitness equipment, some kettlebells, jump rope, you know, just kind of the, the basics and a treadmill. Right. And I, yeah. and when I was looking at your, um, 
your uh, no uh, equipment exercise, I'm like, man, this is something that that I could really kind of get into. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of been funny how that all came to where it is now for us because when we when we built preseason, postseason in year two of Mountain Tough's history, we we very we very much emphasized that to to train for peak performance, you were going to need some gym equipment. So to pack on a significant amount of strength, you do need some gym equipment. And so back then we weren't thinking much about no gear at all. And then as this big base of mountain toughers was built and they started training with us year long, they actually started calling and emailing a lot asking for workouts they could do on the road so we would get a lot of emails about hey i travel two weeks out of the month um what can i do in my hotel room and so the 30 30 was kind of built to solve that problem it's like hey here's 30 workouts you can do over the next three months on the road they're in a progression so you know it's going to take them from easier workouts to harder workouts over six weeks but at least it's an option for them to have in conjunction with their other programming. Right. And then it's been fascinating because, you know, pre COVID everyone was buying that program, uh, like workouts in a pinch, like I'm doing mountain tough, but I also have 30, 30 in case I'm traveling for a month. And then post COVID it's definitely, it, it's the program that, a majority of mountain toughers moved into um, because all the gyms got shut down and then then a really cool thing happened it was like you know maybe we don't need as much equipment as we thought and maybe there's a lot of benefits to having a cool little home gym you know my kids are home I'm working at home I'm saving some money I'm not driving as far and so after we kind of saw that we we dumped a lot of resources into building additional home home gym no equipment programs. So there's the No Gear 60 and the, the 4570, and it's been really cool to see you know that kind of take off. Yeah, and um, yeah, we, when you were talking about like being able to like work out from home and stuff like that, like you know we have like trampolines and stuff because we've got two young kids that we can kind of just set them aside while my wife and I, you know, work out or anything like that. And it's amazing what you can get accomplished with very little equipment, whether it's, you know, a couple kettlebells, um, you know, just body weight type exercises. It's, 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 uh, it's really cool to kind of see that. And obviously there's, uh, you know, a lot more that goes into it than just the working out. There's obviously the diet side of it, which you guys offer as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a full, um, like robust nutrition program inside of the app and our program is designed in an educational format and so we our big experience was that every single person reacts really differently to different nutrition concepts and so we didn't want to push just any one concept we wanted to kind of work with you and break down the science so ours is all educational based so it breaks down all the fundamentals and then guides you through kind of setting up your own system. Yeah. And I think from like anyone that's, that's looking to kind of take the the next step in their fitness, 
Um, whether it's, you know, to go from, you know, feeling fit to the kind of that elite level or whether you're, you've been sitting on the couch for the past 10 years and you want to, you know, you, you all of a sudden get a kick in the pants and you're like, all right, I got to change some stuff here is the diet, in my opinion, is way more difficult than the working outside of things. It takes way more discipline and, you know, going back to the mental toughness to not yeah. say, uh, yeah, I'm just going to grab some fast food tonight instead of saying, you know what, I've got, I've got meat in the freezer. Let's, you know, let's, let's make a steak or, you know, whatever the case is and, and going, you know, going the right route. Yeah. It definitely takes a lot of mental toughness early on and then it becomes such a lifestyle. It's kind of, you just got to get over that initial hump. Yeah. So I want to kind of switch gears a little bit here. Now, obviously, um, I mentioned it in the intro there that Mountain Tough is 2% certified. So what was it that made you guys decide to, you know, become 2% certified? I mean, um, obviously, you know, being right there in Bozeman is where 2% is, is located. You know, tell me about that. Yeah, I think for us, it was such a no-brainer that we just knew we were going to do it. And I think a lot of that is because we're in Montana. I think a lot of that is because we're in Bozeman. And I think a lot of that was because of growing up here, you just get to watch the hunting is conservation motto. You just get to watch it lived out over and over again. So growing up, I watched, so many places turn into amazing, you know, elk habitat through RMEF. I watched so many random fields around our house growing up turn into amazing pheasant hunting habitats through pheasants forever. And so for me, it didn't take much thought. It was like, I just, I've witnessed the hunting is conservation happen so many times that I knew. I knew right away that our, I wanted our company involved in conservation in every way possible. And then as I got older um, and, you know, just palling around with the guys from like Wild Sheep and the Goat Alliance, it when you watch it kind of in front of your own eyes, it's amazing to see, you know, these places that never have sheep, have sheep now, they're doing great. So that stuff, those experiences that we get to see in our own backyard made it a pretty easy decision. Yeah, and it, it's funny, like I, you know, just through like social media and stuff, I know that um, Jared Frazier, the uh, executive director of Two Percent, like he had kind of a last minute opportunity to go on this goat hunt. And yeah, I remember I was out there, um, and I and this was right before I think you and I had spoken, um, and it was right before you were going on your elk hunt, um, and I was going to be out in Bozeman, and I was I was planning to stop by, and then. If you've ever taken a cross country trip with uh, two young kids in a motorhome, things just don't always work out as you planned. And you know, I I wasn't able to stop in because I know you had mentioned to to stop by the lab and and you know meet you and, and meet the guys yeah. and say hello. But I know that Jared was in there and he was telling me that uh, yeah, it was no joke. He was like, yeah. I think he had me thrown up like in the first day that I was there. <laughs> yeah, he was getting ready for that really cool trip that. Uh, management goat hunt in the yeah. park is cool. So and uh, and then I know like uh, Lyle Hebel over at Stone Glacier. Um, he's actually I just recorded an episode with him for the podcast not too long ago, and I know he's a big advocate for for Mountain Tough. So it's yeah. cool to see you know other other people who are involved in two percent um, 
supporting other people that are involved in 2%, um, whether it's, you know, like Jared or Lyle, and I'm sure there's, there's plenty of others. Those are just two that kind of jump out to me right away. Yeah. I, I think a huge part of it too, is as you get a little bit older in life, you start thinking about it more than I did when I was younger. I think when I was younger, I took a lot of kind of like the great blessings we have in the West for granted. And now as I've gotten a little bit older and I have two young daughters, it's like, man, I really want them to have some of these experiences that I was able to have. Like we can drive 30 minutes from the house and hunt elk on national land. I, I do not want that to go away. And, and we spend so much time at work that it's just kind of a no brainer for us to make conservation just part of our work lifestyle. Yeah, and it's it it's funny that you mentioned that you said, you know, now that you have two young daughters, you want them to be able to experience, you know, all the same things you were able to growing up there in Montana. And you know, I've only been doing this podcast for, you know, seven, eight months now, but that what you just said there is definitely a reoccurring theme for why people get involved with whether it's two percent or just conservation in general, is they have kids and then they they almost uh, it, they look back on their childhood, right? And they kind of think like, man, I took all this stuff for granted, you know, that they got to do with their dad or their uncle. And they're like, man, I don't, I don't want that to happen for my kids. I want them to be able to have what I had and it gets them involved. And I think that's such a cool thing. And I think it's, it's definitely like a maturity thing. You know, like as you get older, you kind of, you realize all the things like, you know, it's like growing up and, you know, your parents always are telling you to do things, you know, why do I have to do this? You know, and it's, the answer I always yeah. got was because I said so. And then you get older, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it, right? And it, it makes sense. So it kind of applying that same train of thought a little bit to, to conservation, and I, I love it. It's cool. It's really cool. And I think when you get older, you realize how much the outdoors helped you in life. So you realize, you know, spending time in the outdoors, like what it can do for your soul, what it can do to recharge your batteries, it builds a lot of mental toughness in the outdoors. You learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself. And so I think as you get older and realize that's what it kind of does for your heart, you definitely want your kids to go through as much of that as they can. Yeah. And when when you get older and you think back on your childhood and, you know, your teens and everything like that, like the memories that stick out the most are probably the ones spent outdoors, regardless of what you were doing. You were you were probably outside. You weren't sitting in a movie theater or sitting in front of a you know PlayStation or something like that. Like you were you were outdoors. You were in nature. And and those are things that, yeah, you, you can't get unless you're out there. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So now what are some of the uh, the organizations that Mountain Tough is? Um, giving back their time and money to? Um, so our big focus in 2020 was Wild Sheep and the Goat Alliance. And so a lot of that was related to just them both being local and Bozeman. And, you know, we knew a lot of folks working at those organizations. And then a lot of us just were passionate, you know, sheep and goat hunters when we drew the tags. And so that was our, our big emphasis for 2020, and we'll continue that uh, throughout 21 as well. Yeah, and that seems pretty fitting. I mean, I think um, 
just given you know Mountain Tough and what they stand for, supporting two companies like that. I mean, two of the the tougher, if not the toughest hunts you're going to find, especially here, you know, in North America, where for goat and sheep. I mean, that that totally aligns, and and, I, and I, it makes total sense to me on why you guys would support them. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, all the wild places we want to train people for, the majority of them, you know, are probably going on a goat or sheep hunt. Even there, you know, there's a lot of hardcore elk hunts and deer hunts as well. Um, but there's, you know, there's no goats down in the in the foothills. So that yeah. most goats and sheep hunters have to be in good shape. Yeah. So now, do you have? I know we're early on in, in 2021 here, but do you have any um, any big hunts or anything like that planned for yourself? Um, in 21, I don't have anything big. I, I drew a goat tag in 20, uh, which was cool. It took me. My dad helped me start putting in for the Montana lottery when I was 12, which was the first year you could apply. Back then, you can apply earlier now, but. So I drew it when I was 36 years old. So it took me 24 years to draw a Montana mountain goat tag. And that was last year. And that, it, it was just the most amazing adventure ever. We had the unit that I drew, we had 330% snowpack. So it was a fluke where it dumped a lot of snow early. Yeah. And so we did most of that hunt. We either had snowshoes or a lot of times we would skin in and ski out or skin in and snowboard out okay so it was it was a pretty wild adventure yeah i I can't imagine yeah skinning up a mountain to to go goat hunting and then you know at the end of the day if if you're not staying up there you know just throwing the skis back on and and heading down and that's that's a pretty cool element to add to any hunt really yeah we had some pretty wild days we learned we learned pretty quickly that it's really hard to ski with a heavy pack on. We had a lot of pretty good wipeouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I'm a big skier as well. So like, I'm just, I'm just picturing this, like, cause I've skied with a backpack on before, and, but you're talking, yeah. you know, five, 10 pounds of, of shit. You probably don't even need that's in your backpack. Right. But then yeah. to, to throw, you know, 75, hundred pounds on there, whatever the case is and try to, it's not like you're skiing groomers right you're not you're in some backcountry stuff so it's already tough to begin with but then you're throwing on this weight going the complete opposite direction of what you're trying to do and yeah that's (laughs) that's got to be tough oh it's so funny because nate nate is the mountain tough content director um and he's you know he's our our phenomenal photo and video guy and so he was on all those hunts and he grew up just being a passion, a really passionate snowboarder. So he's really, really good at snowboarding and neither of us thought about it. Our first time down, we didn't think about the heavy pack being weird at all. We were just like, Oh, we'll just cruise out of here. And I remember he went first and I his first turn that pack just drug him down so hard. Nothing <laughs> at all. And he just took a pretty big tumble. <laughs> oh, well, Dustin, hey man, I, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you probably got to get back to uh, some athletes there at the lab, but um, yeah, again, I, I appreciate you making some time. Tell us about Mountain Tough and you know what you guys stand for, the work you guys are doing for conservation, and just you know not only that, but really how you're helping you know change people's lives for the better through you know through health and fitness. You bet. Yeah, anytime uh, we can help out, love to help out. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, man, if I don't talk to you, good luck the rest of the year and uh, Happy New Year. 
Yeah, thanks, Marcus. All right, thanks, Dustin. All right, well, a big thanks to Dustin for hopping on the podcast today and telling us more about Mountain Tough. Uh, I'd also like to thank our partners over at Stone Glacier. Be sure and check them out at stoneglacier.com. I'd also like to thank the partners over at 2%. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands, including Mountain Tough, that have made the commitment to conservation that you should support when you shop for your coffee or your gear, guiding services, your workout regiments, whatever the case is. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where they're going to post nothing but positive content. Uh, so you enjoy having uh, you know their conservation-focused uh, posts in your feed. Uh, so again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, stay safe out there and conservation starts with you.